Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 <laughs> Good morning, Arkansas. This is Alan Kerr sitting in for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hope everyone's uh, had a great weekend. It's beautiful weather. Uh, I tell you, I don't think we could have asked for better weather. Uh, we've got a really good, uh, really great lineup this morning uh, for our show on, on this bright Monday morning. Uh, first off, uh, right in our studio, we've got uh, representative, or I'm sorry, you state call rep- me representative. There you go, <laughs> state representative candidate um, Heather Turchie, and uh, her district is uh, the district she's running for is District uh, 75 in West Little Rock, and uh, <clears throat> we're going to talk about uh, uh, her. Uh, her candidacy, uh, her interview in the paper, and um, uh, what sets her apart from her opponent. Good morning, Heather. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Do you, you you got up and uh, snuck out before the kids got you and that kind right. of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Bright yeah, and early. I, yeah, I thought she was going to call in, but she showed up at the at the <laughs> studio door, so we let her in. So uh, tell everybody um, uh, about your candidacy and kind of give them an idea of where you're where your district is and um now now in full disclosure this used to be my district used to be district 32 Mm -hmm. with the redistricting they did they changed it to to 75 but uh it's the west end of little rock um and uh uh, i spent uh three terms in that district as state representative but tell us uh tell us how your how your campaign's going so far so good um so i'm a small business owner my husband and i we own architectural design company that's based out of pulaski county we've been in business for 45 years uh, we've done a lot of residential and commercial development in west little rock and all throughout little rock um, the district lines it, it goes all the way down to Brody creek woodlands edge picks up some of chenal valley rock creek um, all the way out to taylor loop and uh, parts of highway 10 the south side of highway 10 well, the upside of that is it's easy to walk. I mean, they're it house is. to house to house to it house. It is. Other yeah. than it's, you know, a mountain going yeah. up and down both ways. Well, days. yeah, then there's those areas uh, um, uh, off of uh, Henson that, that go straight up. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, ha- have you noticed that uh, you've you've gotten all your exercise in walking these doors? And, you know, and we're, it, we're averaging about thirteen thousand steps a day. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank God there wasn't something to count my steps when I ran for office. I don't think it's I motivation did. though. Yeah, you well, know, cause I, I was aiming for ten thousand, but you know, I'm, I'm hitting about thirteen thousand, which is great. Thirteen thousand so. steps, good yeah. lord. Unfortunately, I go home and eat a bunch of food afterwards, so it cancels it out. Otherwise, I'd be losing weight. Get, well, in order to get out there, you got to have calories to burn. Right. My goodness, you, you've got to. Right. You got to. We used to call the campaign is is the the perfect weight loss program. I'm right. telling you. Uh, so, 
what's uh, what are you hearing when you go out and and go door to door and what's the what's your district uh, what are you hearing from them? the biggest thing that I'm hearing is crime and that's coming from both ends that's coming yeah. from Republicans Democrats independents everyone that I knock on the door they're one to fix crime and the problem that we have right now is our parole system um, you know our state parole system when hardened criminals are sentenced they're only serving like a six of their sentence maybe wow and what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to bring in the federal law which would make them serve up to 80 percent of their sentence so wow so if i if if, if someone is uh, uh uh given six years they're going to serve about a year of it right and, and they uh, know and that out. and they know that that's the first thing they ask is if i'm if i going to a state penitentiary or if i'm going to a federal and they know if they're going to a state it's going to be a vacation for them well, so yeah. and they're released back out in the streets and they're committing crimes that are worse than what they were sentenced to in the first time. Yeah. So. Three hots in a cot. And, yeah. You know, so. get the workout in the workout room and right. watch TV. Goodness. Right. So um, <clears throat> what do we do about it? Well, like I said, I, you know, I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to bring in the federal law and make people serve 80 percent of their sentence instead of releasing them back out. But also we're probably going to have to have a prison expansion. We just don't have room. You know, yeah. our, our county jails and everyone, they're, they're just, they are overflowing. So. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's always been a social problem, but, um, um, you know, you got people out there who, who think, well, you need to uh, address why the right. criminals are criminals. Right. Um, but we can address that. Yeah. <laughs> when they're locked up instead of just yeah, out on well. the streets. And that's the thing that my opponent has done. You know, she's you know said over and over again about a mental health, which I'm in agreement with that. But right now, we can't address mental health because they're out there killing people. So we'll yeah. address it when they're locked up. And then, you know. Well, so. we've got a, uh, we got a saying in the insurance business. If, uh, if, you've, if you've got uh, a flood in your house mm-hmm. and the water's everywhere, what's the first thing you do? Right. You shut the water off. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you right. You got to shut off. the water off. So, first. you know, so we can we're trying to save as many people as we can. We got to shut the shut the killing off right. and and um, um, we can address the, the core issues after we get our arms around that. So you got crime. Anything right. else out there? How about education? Education is real big. With yeah. Education is a big topic. Um, you know, from what I'm hearing from a lot of people is that, you know, they want an option. They mm-hmm. want options as to where their kids are going to school. Um, and it's not that there's anything wrong with the public schools. It's just that, you know, a lot of the classrooms are at max capacity. All right. And um, I have a friend who teaches um, for Pulaski County Special School District, and she She's a kindergarten teacher. She has like 23 kids or something like that in her classroom. And she said the majority of them are special needs kids. And she's just, she doesn't have the resources there mm-hmm. to take care of those kids. And um, I was talking to her about school choice. And I said, well, you know, some of those kids might need other options as to go to a different school. But instead, they're stuck in that district because of that, yeah. what the zip code they're in or financial reasons they're stuck there. Well, and, and there's the issue is that uh, let's <laughs> let's say that you've got half of your class of special needs, which in your case, what you're describing is actually more. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if you're paying attention to the special needs kids, what happens to the ones that are not right okay they're not getting as good an education right. they're not being challenged they're not you know and then they get in trouble. teachers just one person right. they're they're getting in trouble they're causing right. disruptions things like that right. so 
Yeah, I mean, it's I a good issue. I smaller, think smaller class sizes would be great, too, as well. Um, my kid's school, and I'm not going to disclose where they go to school, but, you know, there's 15 kids in a classroom, mm-hmm. first, second grade, which I think is a good size classroom. Right. The teacher gets more one-on-one time with those kids. Well, but, should, should the money follow the child? I think so. I think so, I too. Think so. I mean, it, goodness gracious, uh, it, it's, it's, there are children. It's our tax money. Right. We should have those choices. Right. We shouldn't have you know someone else tell us where our kids are going exactly. to get educated and how they're going to get educated. That's right. And another thing, you know, if you look at it, if you had a, you know, every child was getting a seven or eight thousand dollar tax credit, and you mm-hmm. had fifteen kids in a classroom, you know, that teacher could make a hundred grand a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at it, yeah. I mean, even if you were just paying them fifty a year, you took the other fifty to pay for curriculum and uh, you know even renting the place, yeah. <laughs> whatever. So, good deal. Well, yeah. and, and, you know, it's uh, um, in, imperative. You only have one shot at educating your child. That's right. You know, you just one shot. You You're going to have to do the best you can. Right. Um, it's and tough I, enough for right. them. Um, and it, you talk about crime. You talk about the economy and everything. <clears throat> but everything boils down to education, in my opinion. Right. Um, you know, if you're teaching a socialist agenda in the schools, yeah. they're not going to understand how our economy works. They're not going to understand why you need to be an, a business owner or why you need to work. They think that everything should be given to them for free. So, I mean, you have that, you have crime, you have all these other things, but everything is based down to education. Yeah. Everything is. It really is. So. Well, and, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, kids... Um, um, you know they try hard, and right. they don't get the right direction. They don't get the right uh, um, education. Um, they don't live up to their potential, and and creates more of these problems with the crime that right. we're talking about. You know, right. so um, uh, they 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 kind of all go hand in hand. Right. So, um, what are you seeing out there? Like I said, the biggest issue that I'm seeing right now is people are sick and tired of the crime. Yeah. I mean. Every door that I've knocked on, everybody that I've talked to, they are so sick and tired of getting their cars broke into. They're mm-hmm. tired of hearing about shootings every single night. Right. I mean, it is awful right now. And I've talked to so many people that have lived in Little Rock their whole entire life. And they said, I don't even recognize this city anymore. Right. Like, where are we living right now? Right. They're, they're terrified of going out at night. Are um, they asking you about school safety? Yeah, I do hear about school safety some, but not much. Okay. So... I think that's definitely something that we're going to be addressing next year. Okay. So. All right. Well, we'll we need to take a little short break here. And uh, just on the other side, we're going to pick up. Uh, Hope Heather can stay with us here just a little bit longer. Uh, David Ray is representative. David Ray is going to be on the on the phone here in just a few minutes, and uh, we're going to be talking with him in the uh, the next hour. So, um, stay tuned. This is Alan Kerr for Dave Ellswick, and we'll be right back. Good morning. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show on this bright uh, Monday morning. Uh, hope everyone had a great weekend. It was a beautiful, beautiful weekend. And um, um, we're here in the uh, in the studio this morning with uh, Heather Turchie, uh, candidate for District uh, 75 and uh, a state representative uh, candidate, District 75. On the line, we have uh, David Ray, Representative David Ray. And uh, he is, uh, uh, if I can look it up here again, uh, he is District 69. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good morning, Alan. Good morning, good sir. Morning. Hey, David. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they changed all these, these district numbers, and, and I'm, I'm a little... Uh, 
uh, still trying to catch up with with whose district is what. But uh, good morning, well, uh, David. Tell us where your district is. Hey, where are you located? Well, the new it's the old District Forty, basically the same district, new number. Um, a little bit of changes. It, it this district is mostly um, the northern part of Pulaski County, including all of the rural unincorporated areas in the county. So. Um, everything from Highway 5 outside Cabot all the way over to um, Oak Grove, Marche, the north tip of Maumel, where I live. And then I've got the southern part of Faulkner County, too, so the city of Mayflower, uh, most of the area around Lake Conway, and then the area out towards South Hillow, Highway uh, 286 and Clinton Road area out there. So, Heather, if you ever thought your district was hard to walk, his, his is God Almighty. That, I that bet is, it's flat, though. <laughs> well, you don't, you don't really, you don't know so, so much uh, walk door to door. You sort of drive door to door. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and get out and, and knock on doors that way. You have to have a driver, and you know, he slows down long enough for you to leap out and run to the door. and, and Drop and roll. <laughs> yeah, drop and roll. Uh, well, it's a great district with a lot of great people, and I'm, I'm, truly honored to uh to represent them in the arkansas house and as you know i'm running for my second term yes uh, sir I'm finishing up my first term right now and um feel like we made a lot of great progress on issues that matter to conservative voters but as you also know there's a lot of work that remains to be done and so um i'm signing up for two more years to help be a leader in that fight good deal well, we really appreciate your service and, and everything you've done to this point. Um, tell us about uh, some of the things that you've got uh, in the hopper for uh, the next session. I think you're sponsoring issue number two. And uh, tell us what issue number two is on, on the ballot. Yeah, well, issue number two will be settled before next session, um, but it'll be on your November ballot this year. So this is one of the three constitutional amendments that the legislature referred out to the voters uh, what it would do is it's known as the Constitutional Amendment and Ballot Initiative Reform Amendment. What it would do is very simply um, raise the passage threshold for future constitutional amendments and initiated acts from a bare majority, which is just 50% plus one, up to 60%. And the reason for that is pretty simple. Um, we, we need a, a, This is a much-needed guardrail for our constitutional amendment and initiative process. So constitutions as a general matter are the charter document of your state, okay? They outline the rights of citizens and the roles and responsibilities of government. Um, They're not meant to be amended in sort of a willy-nilly fashion four, five, six times every two years like we do with our state constitution. If you look at our our right. U.S. Constitution, which we all love and revere, it's only been amended 27 times in the history of our country. But our state constitution, which has been around for about 80 fewer years, has been amended four times that much. Right. Uh, over over 100 times and counting. So you're saying our constitution, our state constitution, is a little too easy to, to amend and uh, should be taken a little more seriously as far as uh, changes go. I know when I was a uh, state rep, that um, uh, we had, you know, constitutional amendments every single session. And um, uh, out of four of them, I think they allow four of them on the ballot. Um, one of them, uh, at least one of them passed uh, just about every, every election. So 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I agree with I, I'll give you a, yeah, I'll give you a couple of examples of bad ones that um, that sort of motivated me to do this. You know, the the state legislature, as you mentioned, we we refer out three every two years. It wouldn't hurt it wouldn't hurt um, my feelings at all if we just decided to only refer out one or maybe even none. Um, but you know, it was just a handful of years ago that we put a half cent sales tax in our state constitution to fund roads. Right. Mm-hmm. I disagreed with I disagreed with that tax. Okay, you can make arguments for and against it, but I don't think there's any argument that it should be a constitutional amendment versus a statute. If the legislature wanted to fund roads with a half cent sales tax, they could have just passed a law instituting a half cent sales tax. Right. There was no way. There was no reason to bury this in the constitution and cement it in there forever and ever because. There's no way to know what future legislatures will need 20 years, 30 years, 40 years down the road. Um, yeah, that, that, so that's the sort of that's the sort of thing I'm trying to ensure that when we when we do amend our constitution, that there's general consensus among the voters. The the second thing I'd point out is that our initiative system and our our constitutional amendment system as well. It makes us really susceptible to big money out-of-state interests that want to come in and hijack our lenient ballot access rules to try and buy a constitutional amendment. And this is what the left is trying to do. So if you look at uh, the David Couches of the world, um, the, the, these folks realize that their crazy left-wing ideas are not going to make it through our legislature because we have a majority of Republicans in both chambers and a Republican governor. But what they will do is they'll they'll pay, they'll get millions of dollars, mostly from out of state, and they'll pay a bunch of canvassers to get signatures for an issue, and they'll put it on the ballot, and it'll usually have a misleading ballot title. It'll usually be difficult to understand. Uh, there'll be a misleading ad campaign that deceives the voters and temporarily convinces them that something is a good idea, and they want to do this with ranked choice voting. They want to do this with jungle primaries. They want to do this with all sorts of things that would basically be a backdoor to rigging our elections. And that's part of the reason I sponsored issue two was to try and stop it. Well, very good. Uh, un- really good. Yeah, very yeah. understandably. Well, I, I mean, it's it's just a little too easy to change our constitution. That should be since that's the the uh, the base and the framework of our. Uh, our, our laws that should uh, be the last thing or the hardest thing for us to change and if if and when we do it needs to be something very meaningful so to uh i mean and like you said it, it limits uh the way they've they, they set that up it, it limits future legislations uh legis, 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 sorry legislative sessions and um uh it it simply um uh, limits everything going forward where it's um, you know that that uh, like you said could be done in in statute rather than in the constitution and uh, makes us less nimble i guess if, if to use a word mm-hmm. well and good you know i would argue that good ideas will still be able to pass if you've got a good idea and you get out and you run a campaign <clears throat> explaining to the voters of the state why we need to make a change to our constitution um you know, good ideas will still be able to get 60%, just like they can get 50%. Uh, what this right. would prevent is, you know, something squeaking by with just uh, a bare majority of support that, that 
otherwise really shouldn't pass were it not for either like a misleading ballot title or a, um, a misleading ad campaign where tons of money's pumped in and people are temporarily convinced that something is something that is not right um so good ideas will still be able to pass but we'll ensure that when we do take the the you know really the significant step of amending our constitution that we have genuine consensus um among the voters and you know there's a reason you can't amend our u.s constitution the the threshold to amend the u.s constitution is much much higher than what i'm proposing at the state level so about about half of our constitutional amendments in arkansas end up passing with about 60 percent support so i don't view this as something that will shut down that process uh it's just something that'll put some much needed guardrails around it okay we got about 30 seconds before a hard break david and uh david's going to be with us uh, representative uh, uh is going to be with us in the next uh, half hour um give us uh just a couple of points of uh uh, what's going to happen in the uh, um, in the upcoming session? Um, we've got uh, about ten seconds here. We'll jump on that just the other side of the break. Stay with us. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show. Be right back. Good morning. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show. I am a uh, former state representative, former insurance commissioner for the state of Arkansas, and. Uh, here talking with you in, in place of Dave this morning. Dave is uh, is out, and um, uh, I'm trying to fill in for the illustrious Dave Ellswick as, as best I can. Uh, we have uh, uh, a really good lineup for you this morning. On the line, I've got Representative uh, David Ray of uh, District 69. And uh, when we left off, he was talking about uh, uh, ballot position two, uh, which we went over uh, pretty well. That's uh, uh, to change the uh, the number of votes it takes to put anything as a constitutional amendment on the ballot and uh, uh, right now we're going to go into what he plans on doing in the in the upcoming legislative session uh, this is going to be a full session going to be the the big one and uh, uh, should be interesting uh, representative what are, what are we going to what are we looking at uh, coming up well there's any number of topics that need to be tackled dave as you well know or sorry Alan. hey that's okay <laughs> i forgot you're filling in <laughs> oh gosh well it's too early in the morning that's my problem yeah. i haven't had enough caffeine yet amen to but, that well picking up where i ran the train off in the ditch um you know look uh lowering taxes is an evergreen priority for me um I believe firmly that our Kansans uh, are taxed far too much and the state spends too much money. So we need to continue the process of chipping away and lowering our income tax to put more money back in the pockets of hardworking Arkansans. Over the last eight years, the legislature and the governor have done some really good work lowering our income tax from 7%, which was the highest in our state's history, down to 4.9%, which is now the lowest the the income tax has ever been since we've had an income tax in Arkansas. But there's a lot more progress to go. You know, I would love us to one day join the ranks of Texas and Tennessee and Florida uh, and and all the states who have zero income tax. And so we'll need to keep working in that direction. Um, Another big thing is crime. I'll just mention these real quickly and then we can pick out something you may want to dive into. 
you know, the crime problem I think you were talking about before I joined is just completely out of control. It's not just a Little Rock problem, although it's most acute here. Uh, this is a problem all over our state, and it has a lot of layers. It has to do with um, the lack of prison capacity in our state that leads to overcrowding. Um, it has to do with our horrible parole laws that just create a revolving door of justice. This is something that Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin, who's running for Attorney General, is leading on, uh, and I'm supporting him in that effort. Um, so there's a lot of layers to our to our crime problem, but it's going to require some fixes, and I'm working on some of those with some other legislators. Uh, the third thing is education. You know, we've got to continue to improve education in our state, and I think the um, there's several ways to do that. Literacy is one. Um, Focusing on STEM education is one, but I believe that school choice uh, for parents and kids is really one of the big keys to unlocking our education potential in the state. So um, I passed a bill last session to expand our Succeed Scholarship Program, which is one of our school choice programs, expand that to the children of uh, military families. And so I'm going to continue working to expand school choice because I think that, that every kid, regardless of where they live, um, and regardless of their income level, deserves a world-class uh, educational opportunity. And then the last thing I'll mention, and this is another evergreen topic, is, is just pushing back on all the nonsense that's coming out of the Biden administration. You know, when I ran for office, um, we, were, we were anticipating a lot of this stuff, but now that we're seeing what it looks like more fully, um, there's, there, there's just so much to push back against. Um, these crazy left-wing policies coming out of Washington and a lot of the just sort of cultural rot gut that we see, you know, with this the radical uh, transgender movement, the, these uh, left-wing value systems that liberals are using to um, instill in, in children through libraries and so forth. Um, those are things that need to be addressed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, all these are, are um, top ten topics, no question about it. Um, let's, um, let's, well, I'll let you pick which one we want to talk more about. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's, uh, let's talk taxes first, and uh, that's, that's always high up on my list. Um, uh, I don't like paying taxes any more than anybody else does. But um, um, how do you feel like that the that, uh, the tax reduction should uh, should be handled. In other words, uh, obviously, I mean, there's, you know, do away with it all at once. Um, do we uh, slowly uh, deplete it uh, as, as we go? What, what's what, what's in your vision to uh, to handle the taxes? Yeah, I mean, look, it's going to have to be a, gr- a gradual process. That's just what the math tells us. You know, the income tax accounts for about half the state budget. So. Right. If you're gonna if you're gonna phase it out, you're gonna have to do it over a period of time. But that doesn't mean we don't need to move as quickly as possible, and we don't need to be bold and aggressive in our approach. Um, so there's a couple of things that I think are really key in this area. Number one, you got to remember, unlike Washington D.C., Arkansas has to balance our budget. Right. Our Constitution requires us to balance our budget, and we can't just print money out of thin air like they do in Washington. So um, our, that, that, what that means is our ability to reduce taxes is tied inextricably to our ability to control spending. 
Exactly. And so I'm a big believer that we need to have some sort of what they're called taxpayer expenditure limits. But you really, in my opinion, if you're really going to make this happen, you've got to have some sort of statutory or constitutional cap on spending growth. This is something that Bruce Westerman, as you may remember, when he was majority leader in the Arkansas House, he tried to enact, and it was blocked by Governor Beebe. But this is really important. Um, states that states that have really limited their growth and spending, if you, if you wait on politicians to be disciplined spenders, um, you're going to grow very old waiting on that to happen. Absolutely. <laughs> So so the way you do it is you put in place a cap that forces them to abide by it. So um, once you do that, that helps really accelerate the process because you you only increase spending um, to the extent it needs to be increased, and then you dedicate the rest of the growth in the economy to reducing taxes. That's really the way you do it. And um, I used to say... After the 2019 session, when they raised like six different taxes, I used to say the first step to lowering taxes is to quit increasing them. Right. I think we've I think we've reached that point because we didn't pass any tax increases in the last session, thankfully, and I can't imagine that we will going forward. Um, but now we got to really focus in on the spending. That's right. the key. Well, hopefully with the new administration coming in, you'll have a whole lot more support than, uh, than what you've had before, um, and uh, we can get, make some of that happen. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and um, uh, pivot to crime real quick. We've got about uh, three minutes before we have to go to a break. Um, let's, uh, let's jump into crime. It, it's, it's more than a three-minute topic, but um, what do you see happening? Well, the biggest thing, I'll try to cover this in just a couple of minutes. I mean, the biggest thing is, most immediately, we need new state prison capacity. So if we went 20 years without building any highways in the state, Alan, you would say that we've let our state infrastructure decay uh, and become dilapidated. Well, that's exactly what we've done with prisons. We have not built a prison since uh, 2003, I believe. I mean, in 2003, I'm pretty sure Shania Twain was at the top of the country charts or something like that. I mean, it's been, it's been a while. And during that time, our population has grown by between 300,000 and 400,000 people. So inevitably, a certain percentage of those folks are going to commit violent crimes and need to go to state prison. Right. So our, our infrastructure is not kept up with our population. And as a result, we have massive prison, prison overcrowding. The state has to release about 2,000 state prisoners per year under emergency powers because we simply have nowhere to put them. Right. And we already have very lenient parole laws. So prisoners are just going free left and right, and they're coming right back to our communities. And that's a big thing that's driving crime in the state. Yes, so sir. Nobody likes, nobody likes to say to admit that we need to build a new prison. It's not anything anybody takes any joy in. But it's just a reality. Yeah, you can it's, do math, you know that we need a new state prison. Right. It's not a sexy topic, no question about it. Well, we'll appreciate that, and uh, um, we'll uh, pick up that again on the other side of the break, along with some uh, education and pushback on Washington. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. Uh, we're going to break for uh, uh, some some uh, uh, to make some money here, and we'll be right back. 
Good morning. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick on 101.1. And uh, we are... uh, uh, we've got uh, Representative David Ray here on the line with us, and we've been talking about politics and um, the upcoming uh, legislative session and uh, all the things we can expect uh, in the next legislative session. We, we've uh, covered crime. Let's, uh, let's jump to education real quick. Representative, what are your plans for education? Well, there's a lot of things that need to happen in education, Um, everything from an increased focus on literacy to increased focus on STEM education, that's science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, we got to do more on workforce, um, equipping people for the workforce. Uh, I believe we got to do much more on adult education. This is a really unfortunate statistic, but we've got 300,000. I'm going to repeat that. We have 300,000 adults in Arkansas, age 25 or older, who do not have a high school diploma Mm. or or the equivalent. My goodness. And that's something that I'm really going to drill down on and try to figure out what more we can do to address that. Um, Because if we're ever going to solve, you know, when you talk about the workforce problem, everybody says, well, we got to equip kids in school for the workforce and that's absolutely true there you know we need to be teaching kids about career pathways and things like that however if if that's our only solution to the problem it's going to take 40 45 years to solve right a couple of generations yeah we've got to attack it at both ends we've got to figure out a way to crack this riddle with adult education while also focusing on uh, more traditional education as well. Um, another thing I'm a big believer in is, is school choice. You know, I, I just subscribe to uh, what Democrats view as the radical belief that parents, not the government, ought to decide where and how your children are educated. Exactly. Um, I, don't think, I don't think that's particularly controversial. But, you know, it stems from the, stems from the fact that our are, are, are the way we decide who goes to what school is extremely antiquated. The government draws arbitrary lines and calls them districts, and then you get assigned to a district based on where you live. What if the government drew arbitrary lines called grocery districts and said you can only shop in the grocery district that you live in? Right. If you want to go out to if you want to go out to Costco in West Little Rock to get your groceries. Too bad. You live in Midtown. Can't go. Right. I mean, that would just be that would just be absurd. We would laugh at it. Yeah. Um, and whoever proposed it would probably get voted out. But yet, that's the way we decide who goes to what school. And so, you know, I think at the end of the day, the money ought to follow the child, and parents ought to have choices in where and how they send their kids to school. And we've been working on this for several sessions in the legislature. Um, I've only been there for two years, but. I was able to pass a bill that I'm very proud of. Um, it was the first school choice bill, I think, that passed since 2015. And it was to expand the Succeed Scholarship Program. So our Succeed Scholarship Program provides a tuition voucher to qualifying students. It's a very small program. But um, I expanded it to include the children of military families. And that's really important because our military families don't always get to choose where they live 
and by extension where they go to school. Uh, the government decides that for them. And uh, so this gives them the flexibility. Also, they ch- their kids change schools quite a bit growing up, and so right. uh, this gives them some flexibility to hopefully uh, continue continuity of a certain type of education, if that's what they're accustomed to. Um, and I just think we need to take a look at doing more and more and more of that across the state it would be it would be very very good for education in my opinion well i agree with you sir and and you know i'm a firm believer in competition you know and for so long the the public schools don't didn't have any competition and of course now you've got uh, charter schools and things coming up and of course they they scream about those because it, it cuts into their their cash flow but um uh you know if, if you ran a uh, a world-class school uh, public or or private, you're going to draw people to it, and and people are going to try to get their kids into that school. So I, I think I, I think that the need for competition is is long overdue, and by giving the uh, the the parents that money to take their children where they want, now you're you're competing for that customer. You know what I mean? Well, absolutely, and it's a healthy competition. It's right. a competition that improves both sides so you know i'm not just talking about private school i'm talking about uh being able to take your kid to a different public school right if that's what you want to do you know maybe maybe your 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 home school is the 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 school that you've been assigned to that you're zoned for as they like to say um maybe that's an underperforming school maybe it's not an underperforming school and maybe maybe your child's just being bullied there and you need to take that kid to a new school. Right. There's there's a million different reasons that parents should be afforded the options that come with choice. And look, in every other facet of our society, we demand choice. We're we're used to it. We expect it. I mean, think about how many options you have um, when you go to buy any given consumer product, and yet. With education, the government just says, here's your school, you live here, you're zoned for it. And what that results in, it basically makes public education a commodity that's bought and sold through the real estate market. Exactly. If you can afford afford to live in a wealthy area with a great school, then good for you. But if you can't afford to live in a rich area... um, you know, you're at the mercy of whatever the government provides you. Exactly. That's not right. Well, I mean, nowadays you're you the parent has control over just about everything else. They, I mean, the 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 things they see on TV. They got control over what they the clothing they wear, what they put in their bodies, what kind of food they eat, and and for the parents not to have access and and control over. Um, the education that that child gets to make that 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 child a well-rounded human being and a productive uh, member of society when they get older is is in my view just criminal. Uh, parents should yeah, have well, all I, kinds of choices. Yeah, I'm the I'm the father of a five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son, and so this is this is deeply personal to me. I've got a responsibility uh, before God to raise my children as best I can, and. Um, you know, and do so in a way that's pleasing to him. And I believe that includes providing them a good education. Exactly. And, um, you know, these people that say, oh, well, just wait, just wait. We'll get the system, we'll get the system in order 
uh, down the road. Well, that's not going to do my kids any good. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not willing to sacrifice my children's education now in the hopes that someday some somebody off in the distance a couple of decades down the road gets their act together. That's right. not a that's not a Faustian bargain I'm willing to make. I agree. Well, we got about two minutes left. Uh, give us some uh, information on pushback on uh, the uh, things coming out of Washington. I, I know that people don't realize that if, if your your college loans are forgiven, that creates an, an immediate tax uh, burden. Uh, you're going to have to pay taxes because that's going to be considered income. Tell us uh, um, uh, some of the things coming out of Washington that you want to push back on. Well, that's one of the issues that uh, you've all seen in the news recently is this, what I believe is an unlawful uh, action by the Biden administration to unilaterally, without congressional uh, approval, yeah. uh, forgive forgive these student loans. And let's just be clear, there's no forgiving the student loans. Right. Transferring them over to different sets of taxpayers. And so if you were a responsible American that... Uh, paid off your student loans or maybe you forewent student loans in order to work your way through college or maybe you didn't go to college, uh, you're going to get to pay the bill for uh, other people that did. Right. Uh, Well, uh, I don't I don't begrudge anybody who took out student loans. I just don't want to pay them off for you. Yeah, I agree. Well, this has been uh, Alan Curry for the Dave Ellswick Show. We've had uh, Representative David Ray in. Uh, the time goes by fast when you're when you're doing this. Uh, Representative, thank you so much for uh, uh, for spending your time with us this morning. Um, Thanks for having me on, Alan. No problem, sir. And, uh, again, Alan Curry in for uh, Dave Ellswick. Uh, We've got a hard break here, and uh, we'll be right back with you just on the other side. Arkansas, this is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show on this bright, uh, beautiful uh, Monday morning as the sun comes up, looking over my shoulder here uh, after a a beautiful weekend uh, that we had here in Arkansas, in central Arkansas, and uh, uh, looking forward to a a really nice week uh, coming up and ahead of us. Uh, I'm in for Dave Ellswick this morning. He is out this week and uh, uh, trying to fill in as best I can. Uh, on the line, we have um, uh, the uh, sheriff, uh, candidate for sheriff of Pulaski County. Uh, on the line, his name is Blue Keller. Uh, now, I was uh, a former 
um, state representative, and then uh, I was an insurance commissioner uh, after that for the state of Arkansas. And uh, Blue, uh, I had the privilege of working with Blue. Uh, He was my director of the criminal investigation division at the insurance department. Let me tell you, that is no easy task, Um, uh, handling uh, fraud. And uh, criminal activity within the insurance world is is not an easy task. But that division uh, is uh, at the same level, has the same authority as the the state police in Arkansas. And Blue has just done an exemplary job. And uh, although we're going to be sad to to lose him there, he is running for sheriff, a very needed needed position in in Pulaski County. And... um, um, Hopefully he can tell you all about his campaign and, and what he plans to do. Good morning, Blue. Good morning, Alan. How are you? Uh, doing great. Doing great. Now, Blue, is, that's just kind of his nickname. His name is Paul Blue Keller, which you'll you'll see on his signs. But uh, um, uh, anyway, how's your campaign going? Well, we believe that it's going very, very well. Uh, we, can't, we can't keep enough signs in stock. We have to keep reordering. Um, you know, as you know, we... We're out, and uh, we go everywhere. We get invited. Uh, we saw y'all up there at uh, North Pulaski over the weekend. There yes, were a lot sir. Of good folks there, some good times. Had a chance to talk to some folks. Um, left that and went to a, you know, a, a fish fry out at uh, uh, Arch Street Volunteer Fire Department. There's a lot of good folks out there. Met Alvy from Alvy News. Uh, who wants to uh, wants to sit down with us? So uh, you know, people are people are reaching out to us, and um, you know we're we're reaching out to them. So uh, uh, we we think we're doing well. Uh, people tell us we're doing well, and uh, we're just going to keep we're just going to keep hammering it till till the ninth of November. Good, good deal. Well, you know, I want to make sure people understand that that the county sheriff is not just a position that you vote for when you're in the outlying areas of the county. Uh, certainly, that is where he is most important. But uh, county sheriff is is uh, voted on countywide, whether you're inside the city limits of uh, Little Rock, North Little Rock, Sherwood, Jacksonville. Um, they that is a position that you vote on. Um, uh, no matter where you live inside the county. Isn't that correct? That is correct. It, it, the, the sheriff is a senior law enforcement officer in the county. Uh, and I believe that as such, uh, you don't just sit in your office or you just don't, you know, uh, do the things that are, are your personal projects. You have to be out there talking with, liaising with, the, the chiefs uh, of each of the municipalities, uh, you know, to some extent, you need to touch base with the mayors. We've we've spoken with the, uh, some some of the mayors and mayoral candidates to let them know that you know we right now crime statistics are increasing. Yes, they are. And so if we try to do it, Little Rock or Maumelle or Jacksonville <laughs> or just the county. We can't do it by ourselves. Right. We have got to be in this in this together. Uh, we have got to work together. We've got to train together. We've got to share information, uh, and not just with not just with each of the law enforcement agencies, but we have to be down in those communities, and we have to be showing the folks in the communities that we are there for them. 
and that we will be there for them, you know. And the sheriff's office, you know, it it covers the gambit. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna want to dial nine one one and have somebody say nine one one. What's your party affiliation? Right. Uh, right. Nine one one. You know. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's all or none. We're either going to have to get in there and churn and burn together, or the bad guys are going to win. Absolutely. Well, I want to bring up, uh, you've got, uh, if I understood it right, you've got someone else on the line with us? Uh, I do. I have my campaign manager, okay. uh, and our senior investigator, uh, Richard Friend. All right. Good morning. I, Good morning. I just want to make sure we had we we introduced you both. I, I apologize for not doing that right out of the gate. Uh, Richard, you're you've got a you got a tough job, man. You're his campaign manager, and uh, yeah. what's it like managing uh, Paul Blue Keller? Well, the hardest part is keeping up with him. Uh, <laughs> uh, when we started this, we knew it was going to be an uphill battle. Uh, Blue's ground game greatest i have i've literally watched him go to a room full of people that we weren't sure um how receptive they were going to be to the message and blue gets in there and just you know he came up with this he said it's about people not politics he sits down and says i don't care what your party affiliation is let's talk about the safety of your family and i literally watched him take people uh you know that we didn't think were going to be receptive and and go you know what you're right like a sign or I'm going to donate or I want to help you or I want to volunteer. And, uh, actually, you know, it, it's the right faces and the right place. Blue's the right man for the job right now. I couldn't agree more. Having worked with Blue for several years, I, um, I, I couldn't have been more proud of the job that he's he's been doing at the insurance department. So, uh, crime, what? Uh, give us your top three um, things that you think would uh, send uh, to uh, uh, to push back on this increasing in crime um, on a weekly basis. I mean, there's there's not a Monday morning I don't I don't uh, turn a TV on or pick up the paper that uh, we haven't had someone killed over the weekend for just something needless. Well, that's that's for sure. I mean, you know, we're we're just seeing it going and going and going, and there was a, a thing that was released. Uh, last week, I believe it was by the by the FBI, and uh, you know it said that Arkansas was like number four in the nation for violent crime. Well, you know, Arkansas. When you talk about Arkansas, you're really, in my opinion, talking about Central Arkansas, that being Pulaski County and Jefferson County. But you know, with our concerns being right here in, in Pulaski County, um, and I think most people would agree that uh, in this day and age, when you're talking about you know, violence, uh, there's a close relationship to drugs, uh, violence, drugs, and gangs, violence, drugs, gangs, and weapons. And so we need to, we need to be taking these things head on instead of skirting around them. And uh, right now, you know, uh, the, in, in the county, the narcotics division was dissolved. Uh, wait, wait, they, they dissolved the narcotics division. That is correct. They, wow. uh, the current sheriff dissolved the narcotics division. Uh, he pulled our liaison with the DEA, with the FBI, with the IRS. Okay, and so if you're like I said, we need to be working together. We need to have a, a plan. We need to have uh, <clears throat> folks embedded with with the with the drug task forces that exist in the area. 
and and we're not. So wow. we we've got to do that. Okay. Uh, we've got to we have got to get with the individual uh, cities to get with their narcotics division to get with um, them, and I I see the the sheriff's office as being the the adhesive uh, that goes between the different police departments. Uh, and I'm not saying to run it. I'm, I'm saying I'm not saying to oversee it. I'm saying just to get in there and say, hey, what can we do to help you guys? Because as, as they start putting pressure on them in Little Rock, they're going to move right. through the county over into Maumelle right. or up in Jacksonville. And we need to be stopping those 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 movements. We need to be aggressively confronting them at all levels. Okay. Well, uh, hold on to that thought, uh, Mr. Keller. We're uh, we're going to have to take a break here. Um, uh, let our sponsors uh, uh, tell us what they they've got for us. And uh, this is Alan Kerr with the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be right back with Blue Keller, uh, just the other side of the break. Good morning, uh, Little Rock. This is Alan Curry in for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show. On this uh, Monday morning, as the sun comes up, uh, we're uh, looking forward to another beautiful day. On the line, I've got uh, uh, Pulaski County Sheriff Candidate uh, Paul Bluekeller, along with his uh, uh, campaign manager, Richard Friend. And uh, they're telling us uh, all the things that they're wanting to do and uh, some of the problems that we're having with uh, with crime in, in the Little Rock area. And I think that is probably the number one issue wherever I go uh, that's on everybody's mind. Every candidate that I've talked to that has gone out into the field and gone door to door and to uh, uh, from one event to another, that is the first thing out of everyone's uh, mouth is, is that uh, what do we got to do about crime? It, it's just out of control. And uh, let's let's try to pick up where we left off, uh, Mr. Keller. Where, uh, um, what do you guys uh, got planned, and 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 where are those uh, those changes that we can make to to uh, get our arms wrapped around this this crime situation? Well, uh, we have a plan, and uh, our team has spoken with lots of community leaders. We spoke with law enforcement agencies, citizens, and they say that they want to help us get the department back on track. Okay? Right now, we're losing people just as fast as they can get trained up. Now, why is that, you know, why is that really important to the average person? Well, every time that we train a person, every time that you bring a recruit in and you put them through training, that's tax dollars out of your pocket. Uh, when you take and 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 you've been running anywhere from sixty to eighty open positions, that's you, you're not combating crime. You don't have the people to do it. You're completely in a reactionary mode. You know, you were out at uh, you were out at North Pulaski this weekend, uh, yes, and if sir. you'll think back to it, uh, or you can go on my my Facebook page, and we posted this morning. You know, the sheriff had what. Oh, I don't know, eight, nine vehicles out there, plus a Bearcat, plus a boat, plus 12 to 15 deputies. Uh, you had an assistant, you had a major, you had a lieutenant, uh, a couple of sergeants. Well, at the same time, in the county, in the six precincts in the county, only five of them were covered, and they were only covered by one deputy. No backup. Right. Uh, we have got 
to be have a priority. Our priority has to be to take care of the civilian population to go out there and to combat the crime. So we need and, to be better stewards of our resources. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, we we can take that. And you know, one of the one of the main constitutional missions of the sheriff is to run the Pulaski County Jail. In that jail right now, we are spending just buku money, $1.21 million in mandatory in, in unprogrammed overtime from the first of the year to halfway through June. From June to the end of December, I'm guessing that that's going to be somewhere around the $3 million mark. Mm. But, oh, my God. Yeah, that's it's that's real money. That's a, that's a lot of money, but but Alan, moreover, what about the deputies and the the deputies are contracted to work five eight hour days. They are being required to work a mandatory sixth day of overtime. Well, that's great if you're just in it for the money, but hey, what about if you've got a family? What if you've got things that you've got to do, you know, just to keep your household running? Um, not only that. Well, you're you're using your deputies up. I mean, that people, <laughs> human beings, they need they need a little time off, you know. And if it's if it's one day a, a month that they're they're working overtime, that's one thing. But every week, that's that is uh, um, that that's ridiculous. And no wonder uh, we we can't keep them uh, keep these uh, these deputies um, and and why we have so many open positions. Um, we're 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 not uh, treating the ones that we've got uh, well enough, and the ones that uh, are loyal, there we're we're using them up. Alan, you know, one of the questions we've got is that the sheriff was able to get all of these supervisors and and you know people that were out here at North Pulaski this weekend, and like Blue said, you've got one person per district for a county as populous as Pulaski County, but yet what he doesn't tell you is there's a memo out there that says that these enforcement deputies are being taken off the street to work in the jail because staffing levels are so bad. And you ask the sheriff, what are you doing to help morale? What are you doing for, um, you know, what are you doing to bring people in? And he says, well, I replaced the locks in the jail and and things like that. Well, you know, do the people of the county don't know that you've got people that are not patrolling because they're they're in the jail working because people can't work for him because he treats them so badly, right. and it's just it, it's a terrible crisis situation. Well, it sounds like it. I mean, you've it, there's a lot to um, people management, and then you know you can be a good law enforcement officer, but you've got to be a good people manager too. You've got to manage your resources correctly. You've got to manage your people correctly. Uh, you got to keep morale up. There's a lot of things that go into running something like that. Um, so, what are some of the things that you guys plan to do right out of the gate uh, once you take office? Well, we have been, like I said earlier, we've been contacted uh, by by a number of, of people that have worked in the county before uh, that have certifications, but they've just gone somewhere else because they couldn't work in that toxic environment over there. And we have been told that, you know, the day after we're sworn in, we'll get letters from them asking um, that they can, if, you know, asking us to take them back. Now, does that mean that every one of them? No. We'll obviously be very selective and make sure that the people that are coming back are the people that are, that are qualified. 
but then we're also looking at veterans. There's a lot of veterans running around here uh, in the county. We're looking at, at colleges. We're looking at um, um, the actual military personnel that are currently uh, in reserve regard programs that have uh, military police specialties that need you know jobs between the times that they're working uh, for uh, the federal government and so there's just lots and lots of people that have come to us and said hey we want to come back but we want to come back to a professional organization um, we are we are going to look at taking the folks that are in the jail that have worked and that they've demonstrated uh, a good work ethic and they've proven themselves that want to go to the to the uh, to the street we will let them transition over to enforcement so we will we have a lot of things going on uh, but the big thing is we want to increase the safety for the entire county from the people the citizens of the county to the deputies that are on the street to the deputies that are working in the jail we have to increase officer safety we have to increase civilian safety and we have to increase school safety so we are taking a real hard look at the sro pro program that's the school resource officer program uh, you know we're kind of sometimes referring to it as a as a moses plan making our students even safer uh, we will do our part by going through our budget and our manpower, what we call the table of organization and equipment, mm-hmm. and we will we will find home it to see where we can once we're back up numbers wise, where we can slide people over into the schools. Money, you know, we will we will do our fair share of, of being able to work our budget down so that we can afford putting these SROs in. Uh, but we want to put an SRO, or at least help put an SRO in every school out there. Okay. You know, these, these are our most important assets. Our Absolutely. Children. Absolutely. And we've got girl. Well, so we got about a minute left. I want you to tell people where they can get in touch with you and, and where they can donate and, and how, to, uh, how do they get involved with, with you and your campaign. Very simple. Blue Keller. The number four sheriff.com, Blue Keller for sheriff.com, or on Facebook, Paul Blue Keller for Sheriff. Um, they can they can read about uh, what we're doing. Uh, they can donate. There's a donate button on there, and they can they can email us. The email address is there, and we will get signs to them. Uh, we'll come out and sit down and talk to them. Um, you know, we'll interact interact with them any way they want. Okay, good deal. All right, I'm sorry right. we 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 gotta we gotta jump on here and do a a, a break. Um, uh, Richard, I'll uh, we'll pick that up with just the other side of the break. And uh, um, I am Alan Kerr uh, filling in for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be right back. 
Good morning, Little Rock. This is Alan Kerr in for the Dave Ells- and for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, it's a bright, beautiful uh, Monday morning, and uh, on the line we've got our uh, county sheriff candidate, Pulaski County Sheriff candidate uh, Paul Blue Keller, and uh, his uh, campaign manager Richard Friend, and they're telling us uh, what uh, what all those things we can do to uh, to to take care of crime in Pulaski County and uh, what they'd like to do once uh, Paul is uh, elected for uh, for county sheriff. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, back. <clears throat> Uh, uh, before the break, I kind of cut you off. I, I, I thought I might have heard uh, Richard uh, trying to say something there. Yeah, Alan, I, I appreciate it. I didn't realize we're at the break. Um, if you'll go to Facebook and you'll go to All Blue Sheriff, you're going to see a lot of videos on that that are a culmination of several things that happened. Uh, a lot of people have come forward and say, hey, I've worked in the sheriff's office or I saw things happen and I want you to check on them. You know, some of the things we thought were outrageous, I said, there's no way these things are happening. And so we, we've we sent several Freedom of Information Act requests uh, to the sheriff's office and got back a bunch of information that actually validated what people were telling us. You've got uh, the sheriff that took a $2,000 campaign donation after his department arrested an individual on several felony charges. And he won't release the body camera video of that individual bragging about, I have an agreement with the sheriff. Now, you can go to our Facebook page, and you can see that video, and you can see the financial documents where the sheriff took that $2,000 payment because he claimed it on his election financial report. Um, You've got 17 convicted felons that are working in the jail. You've got a convicted murderer that uh, accessed uh, secure crime information computers within the jail and contacted district judges trying to get people released to different programs on behalf of the sheriff's department. Uh, you know, when he talks about, when, when the sheriff talks about crime uh, is going down, well, maybe it's because it's all happening within his administration. And if people go and look at the Facebook page, you know, they're going to see some things that are outrageous, but we've backed it up with our own documents that prove that these things are happening and, and the more people find out about it the matter they get yeah i can imagine um things like that but uh uh you know it, it's it's sad that that uh, that kind of thing goes on but it does um so uh, what if um uh do you have any plans for, uh, let's say, uh, school uh, security, uh, better school security? I know the, the governor's office is working on it. I know the, uh, uh, the, the cities and townships are working on it. What is the, what do you, as sheriff, what would you do as, as far as uh, school security goes? That's, that's what we were talking about there right before the break with the SROs, the school resource officers. Yes, sir. Um, you know, we would like to put, a, a uniformed officer, or we would like to see a uniformed officer uh, placed in every school. Uh, we believe that it is a deterrence uh, from a number of perspectives. Uh, a good school resource officer will be uh, an experienced officer who knows how to talk to people 
uh, you know, uh, on the streets. They've learned how to talk to irate citizens. You know, they pull citizens over and 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 had to do the, the verbal judo with them, uh, just trying <laughs> to get the job done. Uh, but so they're going to talk to school administrators. They're going to talk to irate parents. They're going to talk to appreciative parents. I've seen them get down on their knees so that they're not looking down at a child. They're looking, you know, kind of up so the child doesn't feel threatened by them. But then they also are out there teaching in those schools. Uh, they teach the staff. They teach the students. They look and formulate defensive plans so that if there is a problem or a, a lockdown, everybody knows where to go and what to do. And in the most extremist circumstances, if there is a, a situation, then you want somebody that will run toward the sound of the gunfire. And so we, you know, that can be paid for completely by the law enforcement organization, completely by the school system, or, you know, a combination of both. And I, I can't tell you exactly how many uh, could be funded by what, but what I can tell you is that I think that this is a cost that we cannot not pay. We've got to make our schools safer. We've got to make our children as safe as they can possibly be. I agree. I agree. So let's uh, let's pivot just a little bit to uh, to money, uh, which is uh, you know part of politics and 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 part of any any government agency or government entity. Um, you handle um, you have handled budgets before. And uh, you handle one at your your current position as the CID director at the uh, Arkansas Insurance Department. What um, um, tell everybody what your experience uh, is with with managing budgets and uh, coming in under budget? Well, you know, from from the day that you go into the United States Army uh, in in any organization, you're going to be responsible for equipment. You're going to be responsible for personnel and their families. And the Army does not have any, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They do not tolerate you busting a budget, just plain and simple. Uh, so, you know, you start out in a mechanized infantry unit, and you've got vehicles that cost somewhere around, you know, uh, anywhere from one and a half to $3 million apiece. And so you start out there, and then every time that you get promoted, every organization that you go up, your number of personnel, your amount of equipment, your table of organizations and equipment, it increases, and those budget lines increase. Again, you're, you, you get no grace if you bust a budget, and if you bust a budget, you're pretty much, pretty much betting your bars um, any time that you do something like that. So uh, I believe that the budget should be transparent. I believe that uh, the, the mission is dictated by the threat. So what are the threats we're looking for out here? We have to come up with a mission to offset those threats. That mission dictates the personnel and equipment that you need, and therein is how you form that budget. Your budget supports accomplishment of that mission, you should lay out that budget in a very understandable format. So
so that anytime anybody in the county says, well, you know, why are you spending that much money and what are you spending that money on? You lay it out and you say, here it is. Take a look. Well, that's very good. Um, you've uh, you've always come in under budget, haven't you, Blue? Correct. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're not afraid to go ask for more money when you need it, are you? As you well know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but man, I tell you what, Blue is—he's—he's—he's uh, um, uh, he's really good at, at managing budgets. But boy, I tell you what, when he—he's passionate about a need, he will—he uh, will find that money. Uh, he'll get that—he'll uh, get it done. And you know, the county jail is uh, under the purview of the Pulaski County Quorum Court. Um, they are the legislative—the uh, county legislative arm that. Um, uh, manages and dictates uh, those budgets to the county jail and to all the all the div- different divisions of the uh, of the county. So um, uh, I'm I'm assuming that that you're prepared to work with the quorum court um, uh, once you're elected. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's 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 no doubt about it. Uh, you learn in the military. Uh, you learn in state government over here where we are now that you know there's a chain of command and that you you have to you have to work within that chain of command you are subservient to that chain of command but if you are open and honest in your dialogue and you're transparent in the things that you do um you know common sense will prevail in the jail right now the 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 budget over there is just it's totally blown and when you try to figure out what's being spent for what it's it's extremely difficult for example they have over there what's called a re-entry program now we are all about second chances for people absolutely but second chances based on programs that have been in existence and programs that have proven track records right the entry program over there, there's been hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on this reentry program. And when we ask where the money's coming from, they say it's a private foundation. And they say that it's not FOIable. Well, I tend to disagree because, you know, it is the Sheriff Eric Higgins uh, program. Um, and it is housed at 2900 South Woodrow, which is the sheriff's office. Uh but when you ask them where the money's coming from and where it's going to, they don't want to tell you. Right. Well, well we FOI'd, and we found out that there is oh, at least a quarter of a million dollars that has been spent on things like uh, popcorn machines, uh, 55 and 65-inch TVs, uh, hair, uh, what do you call, conditioner, uh, graduation yeah. gowns. Uh, and yoga mats. Oh my goodness! Well, let's. Uh, we got to take one more break in this. Uh, we got one more segment left in the uh, in this hour, and uh, uh, we're going to pick up uh, right right where we left off on the other side of the break. And uh, I want to get a little bit deeper into to Paul Blue Keller's um, history and and his qualifications. Uh, this is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. We'll be right back. Good morning. This is Alan Curry in for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, coming up at 8 o'clock, um, we've got our uh, Financial Issues Live show. Uh, that's going to run from 8 to 9. At 9 o'clock, I'm back in the studio 
um, and uh, for, for one more hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, on that hour, we will have um, a little bit of a treat. We've got uh, Razorback Zach of Inside the Hog Pen. Uh, we're going to talk everything uh, football and everything Razorback uh, during that hour. Right now, we have uh, Paul Blue Keller, who is our uh, Pulaski County uh, uh, Republican candidate for county sheriff and uh, his uh, campaign manager uh, Richard Friend on the line and um, uh, Blue I want you to uh, to tell us uh, a little bit about your history I mean Blue's got just a tremendous history uh, that would overqualify him for most jobs but especially uh, for county sheriff Blue why don't you uh, give us a little bit of your history all right. Um, well, obviously, I was born and raised here in Arkansas. Uh, I went tech. I graduated, went through ROTC, and was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army. Uh, I spent 23 and a half years infantry. I was airborne ranger, special forces qualified. I got uh, a master's degree in national security affairs while I was. Uh, in the Army, and um, then I worked as your defense and Army attache in uh, Malawi, Uganda, and Mozambique, Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, When I got out of there, I did some commercial risk management uh, for about five years as we changed over the customs and excise program for Mozambique. Came back to the United States, got my second master's degree, this time in secondary education, and I taught and coached uh, out at Arkansas Baptist, Arkansas Baptist and Baptist Prep now. Okay, so let's uh, hold on just right there. You you were a coach at Arkansas Baptist. Now, in my mind, folks, that makes him a really good candidate for uh, uh, running a team of uh, law enforcement officers, but that's just me, you know. Go ahead, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so uh, uh, while I was doing that, I got involved with the Pulaski County uh, Sheriff's Office, and I was a deputy uh, with them. Um, I was full-time until I took a, a, a contract back in Northwest Africa, where I ran security as a director of security for a gold mine in the uh, Sahara Desert. Um, I came back then, and uh, as I was over there and coming back and forth, I met a guy by the name of Alan Kerr and started um, uh, being assessed to come into the position where I currently reside as the director of the Criminal Investigation Division for the Arkansas Insurance Department. So 23 years in the Army, retiring as a lieutenant colonel, uh, 10 years in law enforcement, and um, ready to to slide that over and and apply all of those things uh, to running the Pulaski County Sheriff's Office. Very good. I don't know of anyone in the world who's got uh, that kind of history, that kind of... uh uh, resume uh, to make a better sheriff's candidate. Um, Blue is a well-rounded uh, person. He's um, good with leadership. He is um, uh, studious with uh, tax dollars. Um, he is, um, um, and, and you know what? And 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 Blue told me. Uh, tell him a little bit about uh, what you intend to do as far as your attendance. At the insurance, I mean, not the insurance part, but the, at the sheriff's department. Once you're elected, um, are you just going to sit behind a desk and uh, give orders? 
No, no, that's that's not the way we work with special forces. That's not the way you coach. You lead from the front. I intend to be a uniformed sheriff. Uh, you'll see me in a coat and tie. It's a formal uh, something ceremony of some type that we need to go to. But I intend to be a uniformed sheriff. I intend to delegate authority while I hold on to responsibility. Uh, we intend to make sure that we are setting task conditions and standards for everything that we do in the sheriff's office so that anybody and, and everybody and, and you know those uh, those task conditions and standards and you know we'll have a policy manual that will also be available to anybody that wants to see it for anything that's obviously not you know classified or something that we need to you know hold the way that we do things to, to keep somebody from knowing in advance but otherwise we'll show you what the task condition and standard is and we'll train to it uh, so, uh, you know, your people have to be well-led, well-trained, and well-maintained. And you can't do that sitting in the office. You have to be out supervising and leading from the front. Very good. Richard, uh, give us a little bit. What, do you have anything else to add? Um, you know, I think that he's run a good campaign. I think if people go to the Facebook page of the website, lot more about Blue. Uh, you're going to see a lot more of him. We've we've had a lot of people that have come up with support and said we really want to help get this happen. And all I ask is questions. You can give Blue a call. You can go to our Facebook page or our website and uh, find out a lot about uh, uh, what he's got in plan and, and how much better place he can be. All right, sounds very good. We got two minutes left, Blue. Give us uh, give us your two minutes uh, assessment of your campaign and um, uh, what people can do for you. Well, obviously, you know, campaigns cost money, and so we're always asking for folks to go on the website and hit that little donate button. Uh, uh, we put out there any meet and greets that we're having uh, throughout the weeks, and uh, they're welcome to come to those. Uh, the big thing, though, is early voting starts on the 24th, and so we need people to get their, their friends, their family, their in-laws, their outlaws, uh, heck, even if they got some enemies, take them down and um, and uh, take them to the polling stations and, and get them to vote. Because, uh, you know, safety and security is imperative for everybody in the county. And it doesn't matter whether you're in Little Rock, North Little Rock, Sherwood, Jacksonville, out in the unincorporated area. You deserve you deserve to be secure in your home. You deserve to be secure in your business. And if we don't have a safe county, we're not going to attract business uh, and folks are going to leave. So, uh, you know, it's all about the people. It's all about people, not politics. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Well, um, again, you know, uh, just because you're a um, uh, sheriff's candidate uh, doesn't mean that you can't uh, vote for him inside the city limits. We've uh, been on the line with uh, candidate Paul Blue Keller for sheriff. I appreciate uh, you guys being on the line. Coming up is uh, at 8 o'clock is Financial Issues Live. And at 9 o'clock, I'll be uh, back on the radio. We'll talk sports with and uh, everything football with Razorback Zach. I'm Alan Kerr. We'll see you back in about an hour.
morning, Little Rock. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, we're in our last hour of the Dave Ellswick Show from uh, 9 to 10 this morning uh, on a bright and beautiful, very chilly uh, Monday morning. Uh, something we're really not used to. Everybody, uh, I, I heard the sound of everybody pulling out their coats this morning out of their closets. Uh, kind of created a, um, uh, almost a sonic boom. But uh, um, you know, we're used to these uh, 80, 90, 100 days, 100 degree days, and, and suddenly we're, we are in fall. It, it hit us quite, uh, quite quickly. Uh, the grass is still green and the leaves are still on the trees, but I don't expect it to be that way by the weekend. Uh, this morning, <clears throat> I am uh, Alan Kerr, and um, just to give you a little bit of history, I am a, a former uh, Justice of the Peace, a former state representative, former insurance commissioner, and uh, I've been in the insurance business since uh, 1980. So anything you want to know about insurance, I could probably uh, come up with an answer for you. But I can tell you uh, one area that I'm, I'm very lacking in is the world of sports. And um, uh, fortunately, I have a son uh, by the name of Zachary who is uh, uh, very up on the world of sports and uh, actually has a, uh, um, a podcast uh, called Inside the Hog Pen. And they, they call him Razorback Zach uh, for that reason. And uh, uh, Zachary's on the line this morning. Are you, are you there, Zach? Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Um Thank you for taking time out of your uh, work schedule to, to help us out on the radio this morning. We're going to talk for the next hour. We're going to talk uh, everything sports. And uh, fortunately, I can I can do that with the help of Zachary, who is an expert in it and um, uh, knows uh, everything sports and Razorback and um, all the stats and everything to go along with it. So um, I guess the first thing we need to address is uh, – uh, this past game on Saturday with Alabama uh, kind of broke my heart. What do you think? Well, I tell you, um, for many years now I've always said, because I've done the podcast since 2017, and I've always warned people, consult your doctor to make sure your heart is strong enough for Razorback football. <laughs> okay, well, you're because absolutely the right. Last, the last three weeks are exactly why I say that. Um, if you want to go back to Missouri State, we struggled with them a yes. couple weeks ago. Um, that was you know, a nail-biter. Those return. Yes, it was, and I was there, and my heart was indeed tested that night. <laughs> um, but, but you struggle with that with that team, but you come back uh, in, the, in the second half. You make your in-game adjustments. You go to Dallas and lose in a heartbreaker, and that is that is the definition of a heartbreaker was the end of that game. And then, of course, Alabama comes to town. And I've said this since Nick Saban has been head coach at, at the University of Alabama. There's going to be a struggle for a team like Arkansas. Even with the new coach that we've got. Even with the new coach, because Alabama is the elite of the elite. And they are one of the teams in the country that, that are perennially always in the national title picture. 
Okay, so tell me, other than their, their coaching and the coaching staff, what keeps them in that elite? I mean, every three, four, five years has got to be a, a turnover. What keeps them in that in that that upper status? Well, for for Alabama, for starters, they don't rebuild; they reload, and that that goes to recruiting. That <laughs> okay. is that is the way that is the way Nick Saban does his thing. Now, I want to shift focus, and I want to reassure Arkansas fans: the wheels are not coming off on this team this season. I promise you, it looks grim, it looks bad, but it's two losses. Okay? Yeah, what, two losses out of eight? uh, Out of 12. But here's the thing. I want everybody to remember this. We lost three straight last last year. Ended up nine and three. Four with a bowl win. Okay. Okay? They won five of their last six. So every goal that Sam Pittman and this coaching staff have is still technically on the table this season. I mean, yes, you're not going to run the table as far as trophy games, but that's okay. Your goal is still attainable. You can still end up 9-3. and three. You can still up, end up 10-2. and two. And and what do we uh, remind me again? And and let, let's assume a lot of our listeners aren't uh, uh, sports fanatics uh, or sports specialists. And uh, what does it take to get into a bowl game? So in years past, um, it, it is a six-game winning season. If okay. you win six games, you're you're automatically bowl what they call bowl eligible. Okay. With with so many bowl games now, and they're broken up into tiers. So the low-level tiers are the ones before Christmas. Like if you get a December 15th at 3 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon. What's that, the toilet bowl or something like that? Well, it's, <laughs> and they, there's so many bowl games out there now that you could get the Cheez-It Sunstripe Bowl or the, the, the Pinstripe Bowl or the Mobile Bowl uh. or something like that. But the better records you have, you always want to shoot for what we call the New Year's Six. Or, or the, the college football playoff games. Well, one of them's got to be the Sugar Bowl. and Well, you've got the Sugar Bowl, uh, the Cotton, uh, Sugar Bowl, Cotton the Yesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl. Um, they've changed so many ways and so many different times that it's kind of hard to keep track. But if you get a New Year's Eve or New Year's Day Bowl, that's what you want to strive for, uh, especially if you're Arkansas. Okay. So it's it's really the timing doesn't really matter the name of the bowls it's the it's the timing or the tier that we're trying to shoot for in that in that prime time uh, viewing. Well, getting yeah getting getting into a bowl game period is big for any program in college football. But you want to shoot for the higher tier bowls, not for the money, not for the 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 uh, the viewership so much. But it helps with recruiting. It helps with developing the team going into next year. You know, one of the things that Sam Pittman had said when we won the Outback Bowl last January, this past January, was yeah. we're 1-0 in 2022. Alabama can't say that. Hmm. So okay. he uses that. He uses everything you do in college football circles back to recruiting. And that's where... Sam Pittman has done a fantastic job dipping into the transfer portal and getting these transfers and recruiting in general. I mean, everybody remembers 2018 and 2019 when we couldn't get a touchdown to, to save our life. We couldn't score if we shot a fish in a barrel. 
man, that that's the year I just kind of shut it off. I just boy, talk about disappointing. Well, we you got know, about uh, we got about three minutes left in this segment. Um, keep going. Well, and and <clears throat> again, you have to remember, Sam is only in his third year. Yeah, and he's he's developed the culture. But one thing I want fans to remember is he in his first twenty seven games going into that Alabama game. Yeah, he has he has the exact same record as Bobby Petrino did in his first 27 games at 15 and 12. Wow. And we all know where Bobby Petrino was, project, was projected to go in the end of the 2011 season against in the Sugar Bowl, ranked third in the country. Yeah. So the goal the goal is there. I mean, we're on an upward trajectory. So we're we're on track. We're on track. I'm I am not worried about this team this season. Okay. So who's our who's our next uh opponent this coming weekend? So we played num- uh, a top 25 team in Mississippi State in Starkville, 11 a.m. kickoff on the SEC Network. Um, I think they're ranked in like the low 20s. I think they're 24, if I remember right. Okay. Okay. All right, sir. Well, let's uh, let's take a pause here for just a second, and uh, um, before we can go into a, a, a commercial break. Uh, on the other side of the break, we'll talk about the uh, the teams coming up. Uh, you know, history is history. We know what that is. We may unpack a little bit of that more in the last couple of games, but uh, I want to I want to see uh, what what our future looks like uh, from Razorback Zach of Inside the Hogpen. We will be back uh, just after these commercial messages. Stay tuned. Good morning. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. Uh, we're in the the final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. 101.1 the answer and uh we are on the line with uh uh in full disclosure my son uh zachary kerr uh we call him razorback zach he's uh does a podcast of inside the the uh, i'm sorry inside the hog pen and uh, uh what i uh lack in in uh, uh sports knowledge he certainly makes up for because uh, uh this is this is kind of what he lives and breathes for and um, he he keeps track of this stuff and and knows uh, knows a, a lot about the Razorbacks. And uh, last uh, before we head to the break, we were talking about um, um, our uh, our record up to this point, where it was going to lead us. What do you think, Zach? Well, I mean, we've got a pretty good chance to to win a couple of more games. But there's one stat about Coach Pittman that I want everybody to understand. Okay, he has coached 28 games total in his time at here at Arkansas. Of those 28 games, 25 of those has been against SEC opponents, a Power Five foes like a University of Texas, and or top 25 teams. Okay, so he plays so, in the plays into a pretty big pool. How many of those did he win? Well, he won fifteen of those. He's currently fifteen and twelve. Okay, 15 and thirteen. I'm sorry, no, as not, a head coach, not bad for a new coach. Absolutely not. And you know, when he was hired in 2020, everybody thought, "Well, what is Arkansas doing? They can't get a big name coach. What are they doing?" Now they're starting to see Sam Pittman was a home run hire for the University of Arkansas, and he is the coach that we needed. And what did you? Who did you compare him to? One of our previous coaches? Yeah, so he's got the currently going into the Alabama game. Uh, he has the same record 
in his first 27 games as Bobby Petrino. Okay. But he's also he's also got a very big record under him that no other coach since the one of the biggest names to come to to coach at the University of Arkansas has. He is 7 and 0 in his first 7 non-conference games. Yeah. The first coach to the first coach to do that since Lou Holtz of the 1977-1978 season. Lou Holtz, that's what I was going for. You you compared him to Lou Holtz and Lou Holtz was he was uh he was a good coach, but I, I, you know, Lou Holtz is kind of a very personable guy, and so is Sam Pittman, for that matter. He is, you know, most people they love coaches, what they call coaches speak, the raw, raw, hooray, cliche coaches. Yeah, had, and, and Arkansas fans know we have had several of them, and we're not going to go down that list because some of them bring up bad memories. <laughs> One of the things that I like about Coach Pittman, though, is he says what he's going to do. And then you see it transform, transpire on the field. So when you look ahead at the last seven games, you've got Mississippi State this weekend. You've got BYU next weekend. And then you have Auburn. Everybody knows that listens to my show on Wednesday night knows I have a deep hatred for Auburn. <laughs> because, of the last, because of the last two years. We have, we have beaten Auburn, theoretically have beaten Auburn twice under Sam Pittman. But thank you to the referees. We won't name names. Uh, they have cost us the game. So why is it just Auburn in particular, uh, the referees are causing us trouble? Of course, they cause us trouble well, a lot. But, but why is it that particular game, that particular team, that, that, that we always have trouble with referees on? Well, and I tell you, uh, funny you should mention the referees in that game. The Alabama games, and any and this, 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 uh, this doesn't go just for Alabama – this goes for anybody that plays Alabama. They do not. They do not call that game. In my opinion, they don't call the game fairly. There was a lot of calls this past Saturday against the Razorbacks that Alabama should have been called on. There was face masks all over the board. There was holding calls that really just killed the momentum for Arkansas. Um, when you look at it, yes, they jumped out to a twenty-eight nothing lead over Arkansas in the first quarter. And everybody thought, oh, crap, the game's over. We're done for. But one thing you've got to remember about this Sam Pittman-led team is they've never quit. They have never stopped fighting. And the third quarter showed that. When you net Alabama and hold Alabama to negative one yard of total offense, and that's a pretty good in-game adjustment. Yeah. Well, I just wish I was in the – in 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 the the uh, the field house when when they were at, at halftime and hear that come to Jesus meeting that he had with them and and had them rally come back out. I I I I do, but at the same time, I really don't. But when you look at the last seven games, you've got like I said, you've got you're at Mississippi State this weekend. Next weekend, you travel to number eighteen. I'm sorry, number sixteen BYU out in Provo, Utah. Hmm. You travel to Auburn, Alabama, to take on the Auburn Tigers. And then you're not back home until you play Liberty on November the 5th. Huh. Your last three games is you have the battle for the boot the very next week. Mm -hmm. You host Ole Miss, and then you go to Missouri. Okay. Nothing nothing says that this team doesn't take. Now, you've got a bye week in there. Uh, I think it's two weeks. But nothing says 
that this team can't go on a run. I mean, look look back at you know Houston Nutt, and I believe it was the 98-99 season. I think it was 98, I believe, uh, if memory serves. He lost one of the biggest games and then rattled off 10 straight. Yeah. Well, like you said, anything it's can happen. Possible. Anything, anything can happen on any, any given Saturday. I mean, one of the things you look at if you if you keep up with the SEC is one of the big uh, puns, one of the big dogs in the SEC, the Georgia Bulldogs, struggled, struggled against the Missouri Tigers. Yeah. And Georgia is the defending national champion. So when I say that anything can happen on any given Saturday, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, well, that's a great thing about sports. I mean, anybody can come back, anybody can uh, can rally. Uh, whether they do or not, that's that's another question. But uh, um, with the last uh, oh, about the last three minutes of this segment, um, tell us what we can expect uh, coming into this next game this next Saturday. Well, you know, Will Rogers, quarterback for the uh, Mississippi State Bulldogs, is throwing ungodly numbers through the air. Um, he has a record that if you if he throws more than 400 yards against you, they're going to win the game. Hmm. And here's the downside. Here's the downside about that. I'm a realist when it comes to the Razorbacks. I want my Hogs to win the national title every year, but we have to keep it realistic. Unfortunately, Arkansas is dead last. In defending the pass, and that is across all college football. I'm talking Division Two, II, Division Three, everything, and they're giving up almost 400 yards a game. That doesn't bode well going to Starkville against one of the better pastors of the SEC. It's going to be a dog fight, but I honestly think the Hogs are going to come out. They're going to make the adjustments that. Uh, they've been trying to make since the A&M game. And I think you're going to see an Arkansas win. I think you're going to see them win their first true road test of the season. And that's going to give them momentum going into the BYU game because these next two games, they're top 25 matchups, and they're on the road. They're not easy. Well, and didn't you say that um, uh, on the road you're kind of at a disadvantage? In other words, you said, what was it, like a three-point spread automatically that they they give uh, um, the team that's uh, the home team, you know, yeah. automatically kind of give cool. you three points? The way, the way it, it usually works is that the home team sometimes gets that, you know, three, four-point advantage just because they're at home. And, and they have that they have that home field advantage. Right. But with – so, like, with the Mississippi State game, you know, Mississippi State's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Okay. So they have that advantage, but you're also going into a hostile environment. And if Arkansas fans remember, they have cowbells at Starkville. <laughs> I don't know the correlation between and, and and I've look I've covered the Razorback since '98. I mean, Dad, you remember me watching those those Razorback games on TV? Yeah. When they went into one two o'clock in the morning against a Kentucky or a Tennessee when we had nine overtimes. Yeah, those were games, man. You know, I have I have I've I've never understood the correlation between a cowbell and a bulldog, but yeah, I don't you know I, I don't I don't make the rules. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. It's going to be a good game. Mike Leach, Mike Leach is a good coach, but I think Sam Pittman's going to have these guys right back on track, and uh, we're going to see an Arkansas final, uh, finally an Arkansas win uh, over the past uh, two weeks. Okay. All right. Well, we've got to uh, got a hard break here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, this is Razorback Zach of Inside the Hogpen. I'm Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. Um, we're going to uh, go to our sponsors here, and we'll be right back with, Ray, with Zach uh, and, and everything sports right after the break. Good morning. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick on a 101.1 FM, The Answer. Uh, filling in for Dave on this beautiful Monday fall day. Uh, on the line, we've got uh, Razorback Zach of Inside the Hog Pen talking uh, all kinds of sports, um, talking about the Razorbacks uh, this morning and, and that, that uh, heartbreaking uh, uh, lost to uh, to Alabama, not quite unexpected, but you know you go into these things hoping for the best, and uh, uh, we really didn't. Uh, I think we held our own, but uh, Alabama was uh, absolutely triumphant uh, in that game. Um, <clears throat> we're going to pick up where we left off, Zach. You know, one of the things <clears throat> if people look at the stat sheet from the Alabama game. Most people remember the 65 points that Arkansas or that Alabama dropped on Arkansas back just a few years ago. Or let's not let's go back even further than that and the back-to-back 52 to nothing years. Okay? Yeah. When this game got up 14, 21, 28 to nothing this past Saturday, everybody thought, okay, well they're going to throw in the towel. That's not the case. This team did not lay down and just take it. Because it would have been 70 to 80, you know, to, to 7, or worse, to 3 or nothing. They made the in-game adjustments that they needed to. But when you play a team like an Alabama or, or a Georgia in the SEC East, they're going to be the better team because of their recruiting, because, because of their athleticism. We're not quite there yet. But we are in the... We are in the conversation. So you think in, a, in the future we'll, uh, we'll be far more competitive with Alabama and Georgia and, and teams like that? Let me ask you something. What, uh, of course, everything is uh, – recruitment is the key to most anything. What do you think um, we need to do as Arkansas as a, as a club to, to recruit um, these better players like Alabama and Georgia do? Well, you know, one of the okay, so one of the things, one of the advantages that Alabama and Georgia have that Arkansas doesn't is the national championship trophies, is the NFL draft picks. Okay, yeah, I get you. When you, but, but, Sam, there is a lot of in-state talent that Arkansas can recruit, and when Sam Pittman was hired in 2020, like I had said. He wants. He wanted to build a fence around the state of Arkansas and keep all these in-state players and go. Hey, yeah, you can go to Alabama. Yeah, you can go to Georgia. But why go there when you can stay close to home and still play at one of the best places to play in the SEC? You know, Fayetteville, Arkansas as a whole, was voted one of the best, if not the best, place to live in in, in the entire conference. 
Well, but I get that. But if these these boys are are going into uh, schools and and with the idea of maybe uh, catching a an NFL recruiter's eye, um, is Arkansas a good place for that? Um, yes, in a sense that you're going to have the fundamentals to make it in the NFL. I mean, look at guys like Hunter Henry with the New England Patriots. Um, Trey Flowers. Look, big example. Dallas Cowboys offensive lineman Jason Peters. He played under Houston Nutt and is still early, but still playing in the NFL today. So it's possible. Have, it's possible. And the facilities at, at the University of Arkansas are next to none. They are. I know they, they put a lot of money best. in it. They are some of the best in the conference. So, yeah. yeah, if I'm a recruit and you hear, you know, and, and they had recruits there Saturday, but I always I always say this on the show, the three most dangerous words in all of collegiate athletics, when you put them together, woo, pig, suey. <laughs> Is that right? If, if, you, if you have never heard 75,000 or 20,000 inside of Bud Walton or – Twelve to 15,000 at Baumwalker Stadium call the hogs all at once, it will yeah. send chills down your spine. Yeah. Oh, I've been there. It's uh, it's it's something to behold. And, and, you know, a lot of times when I travel out of state and somebody asks me about it and says, how do you call the hogs again? You know, and we'll do that for them, you know. So, uh, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is, uh, it is something to behold. And, you know, one of the, one of the best things – about being a recruit is that, um, and again, I, I don't know, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know how they recruit at the University of Arkansas. Like, I don't know what they verbally tell anybody. But if, as a fan, looking in, you're coming to play for a team, but you're, coming, you're, not, you're not playing for the University of Arkansas. This is what Sam Pittman tells recruits. He says, you're not coming to play for the University of Arkansas. You're playing for the whole state of Arkansas. Because every Saturday, for 12 Saturdays in the fall, the entire state rallies around the, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Well, we that's don't for have sure. A pro team, we don't have a pro team in any of the major sports. The Hogs are where are, are our pro team. <clears throat> wow. Okay. Well, we're listening to the Razorback, Zach. We've got a few minutes just before the uh, – uh, the mid-hour break. Um, <clears throat> we've got um, well, we got seven games left. Yeah, seven games left, four of which are against currently ranked opponents in the top twenty-five. Yeah. <clears throat> Just off the top of your head, your prediction: How many of those games do you think we're going to be able to pull out? Optimistically, all seven. <clears throat> okay, that's optimistic. Realistically. Realistically Realistically, um, there's nothing wrong with nothing wrong with going six and one in your last in your last seven games. Okay, nothing wrong at all because that'll put you right back where you were last year. That'll put you in a in a in a, a, a what I call a tier two bowl, maybe even a New Year's Six bowl. Okay, um, the one game I've got circled that kind of worries me, Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so you think we're going to be able to pull out Louisiana? 
Oh, I think I, I absolutely good. I think yeah. I think I think, well, I think the boot stays at home. Um, I think the battle line, the the Missouri game. I think that one will be a fun one to watch. Um, you know, I, I honestly believe the only game that I'm right now worried about is is number nine, uh, Ole Miss coming to Fayetteville on uh, on 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 November nineteenth. Ah, uh, what's November nineteenth? That's I think that's my birthday, isn't it? You know, I think I have that written down somewhere. I'm stuck with mom. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh, so uh, that one's at home then. So we, we've got that home field advantage. You you do, but at the same time, it all depends on, on the adjustments that you make and during practice leading up to that game because you've got, um, you, you know, like I said, you go to Starkville this week, you go to Provo, Utah for BYU next week. Yeah. They're the number 16 in the country. You, uh, then you travel to Auburn, mm-hmm. Alabama. Um, that's always a tough place to play. And then you know, uh, Liberty comes to town on November 5th. And then number 25, LSU, comes to Fayetteville. And that one's always, always been uh, one that Arkansas fans have circled. Um, and then, of course, you've got number nine Ole Miss coming the very next week. Yeah. And they're 5-0 and right now. So that could have a lot of implications with it when they come to town. So Ole Miss is 5-0. and Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd take notice of that. All right. So, you know, um, go ahead. You know, ever you know, going back on this game this past week, one of the things that you're looking at from a, and I'm I'm going to say this: we cannot run every down. You cannot run every single play. You have to. You have a. You have a six. What is he like? Six four, two seventy five quarterback in KJ Jefferson, who yeah. know who can throw it. Why are you continually turning and running the ball? Let him air it out. Let him throw it. Yeah, that was my biggest problem when it came to this Alabama team. So it'll be interesting to see the adjustments that they make in practice this week, and uh, and and how they how they game plan for for Saturday. Yeah. All right. Well, we've uh, reached our uh, middle of the hour. <clears throat> We're uh, on the phone with uh, Razorback Zach. He's one of the hosts of Inside the Hog Pen. And uh, I'm Alan Kerr, in for Dave Ellswick. We're going to be right back right after these uh, messages. Stay tuned. We've got more sports to come in the last segment of this hour. Good morning, this is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're here on the last uh, segment of our uh, last hour, and we're on the line with um, Zachary Kerr, known as uh, Razorback Zach of Inside the Hog Pen. Um, yes, uh, we are related. He is my son, so uh, but I can testify he is he is steroid free and is all about the sports. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, how, tell them how to get a hold of you, Zach, and how they can get your your program. Well, I will tell you that that was one of the most unique intros I've ever had. Um, <laughs> no, you can find me on Facebook inside the Hog Pen. That is H A W G um, inside the Hog Pen. I am a member of the Four Star Sports Radio Network. Um, you can find us anywhere podcasts are streamed at Four Star Sports Media, and of course, we've got a website Four Star Live. That's the number four. Star dot live, and of course I'm on Twitter at Razorback Zach One. And I tell you, if you want to watch our live show, MC Marcus Carlson and I every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. on the Four Star Sports Radio Network. 
we have a lot of fun. We've got Razorback trivia. Um, I do. We have a lot of what we call squirrel moments. So if you guys just want, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's squirrel. all about that. Um, squirrel moments. Okay. Where I go off. So it's funny because I go off on little tangents on the, on the show and everything. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I love every single one of our fans. Like I said, I've been doing this since 2017 and, uh, what started off as a small little Facebook live in the corner of my first apartment. Uh, has now become what it's become, and it's because of the fans that listen to the show week in and week out. Um, I could na- I could rattle off names, but you guys know who you are. And big thank you to West Crew to Four Star Sports Media for picking us up and and taking us taking us on their brand. Um, I have had some of the most fun doing this show since I've started doing it um, this season. Uh, I know the last two weeks have seemed rough, Razorback fans, but trust me, it's not the end of the world. I promise. Not the end of the world. So, so let's let's not uh, uh, let let's not lose hope. Let's not lose faith. Uh, the Razorbacks are are they always come back? They do. They do. Now, again, you're you're probably going to lose one or two more, but that's okay. It's a numbers it's game, isn't it? It's it's better than the four and twenty we were dealing with a few years ago. Oh my goodness, yes. Okay, that's one thing that most people are like, well, Sam Pittman's not it. Sam Pittman's not it. Do y'all not realize we've beaten four ranked teams under Sam Pittman? That's you've pretty beaten, good. You've beaten, you've beaten Tech, I mean, he's only been here three years. Yeah. And you've beaten, you've beaten Cincinnati, Texas, Texas A&M, and Mississippi State. <laughs> Do you know, just off the top of your head, how long it took Lou Holtz to get to this point uh, with the Razorbacks? He didn't start winning run off the bat either. No, and, and, you know, Houston Nut, you know, that we're talking modern era here. You know, Houston Nut had the had a, had a, had a good start. I mean, I think he was, in his first 27 games, he was 20 and 7 in his first 27 games, okay? Wow. Um, so it, each coach, each coach has their own, uh, <clears throat> has their own way of doing things and well it all depends on the the recruitment you've got uh, to that you've you've done with you walk into a, a a team like this you're subject to whatever recruiting that the last guy has done and uh you've got to make something you gotta uh you you gotta make soup out of whatever you have there you are but at the same time you don't know how that last coach left the locker room and one of Sam Pittman's one well, and I said because because our last coach was a was a clown. All right, he had no idea what he was doing. Oh, that's for sure. Um, and it was pretty obvious. Um, Sam Pittman, one of the first things he said when he was hired three years ago is he looked at the team and he says, "You didn't choose me; I chose you." This man cried at his introductory press conference because this is his dream job. This yeah. is where he wants to be. The man put a clause in his contract that he has a non-compete clause with the entire Division One football. So the only way he's leaving Arkansas is if they fire him or he retires. Right. Right. Because he has said over and over and over again this is my last job. Well that's commitment. You know, that's that's absolute commitment and uh, 
uh, you got to love somebody like that because um, it means he's going to give it his all. Well, and, and he fights for his players, and you see the players fight for him on the field. Yeah. Because that game Saturday could have been Oh, it could really have been ugly. so much worse. could have been so much worse. But it shows you that they the, – the locker room right now has that mentality of we're in it to win it. We're not playing not to lose. We're playing to win the game. And if you're a Razorback fan right now, and there are a few of them out there, if you're a Razorback fan right now, and and and, and forgive me, Dad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, but if you're tweeting at players and telling them that they they're terrible, or if you're if, if you're ta- dogging this team right now, that's not what this team needs. Yes, well, we've gotten our butts kicked. I don't, I don't call that a fan. I mean, that if you're gonna criticize your your guys out there when they're on the field. And you're you're at home in your in your chair in front of the TV set, or even in the stands, and uh, all um, you know, uh, comfortable and warm. Then uh, you you re- need to rethink. <laughs> to be honest with you. But, now I will say this: a, a, a changes have to be made. Whether it's at the coach, and and I'm not going to say that a player change needs to be made, but a coaching change does need to be looked at from an assistant level. Did he? I, I don't remember. Can you tell me if if uh, tell us all? Did, how many of his of the uh, coaching staff did he swap out when he got there? Um, he flipped the entire staff, if I remember right. I mean, all up and down. Um, he he got two of the best coordinators at the time, and Barry Odom and uh, Kendall Bryles, respectively, for the offensive and defensive coordinators. Um, but. I'm, I'm starting to question the offensive play calling. Okay. And why is because that? Not throwing enough? Playing, not throwing enough, and you're playing too safe, and you're, you're worrying too much about trick plays. Um, our, when, when you have to get back to fundamentals, you have to learn. You cannot run sideline to sideline. You cannot pass sideline to sideline. Hmm. Yeah, I can see where that would be a problem. Well, uh, we're talking with Razorback Zach, and, uh, host of Inside the Hog Pen. Uh, tell us one more time how we can get in touch with you and, and how to uh, follow your show. So we air uh, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m., uh, on, on uh, Inside the Hog Pen on Facebook. Um, we also broadcast, we also have a YouTube channel, uh, Four Star Sports Media, because Inside the Hog Pen is part of the Four Star Sports Media Network. And uh, like I said, MC and I have a have a blast doing our show during the week, and we've also got uh, ITHP Game Day on uh, Saturday mornings. We do pre and post game. But uh, I'm on Twitter at Razorback Zach, the number one, and then we have a website four star dot live. That's the number four star dot live. Nice. Okay, we got about a minute and a half. Uh, what's uh, what can you leave us with? What kind of information can you leave us with uh, for the upcoming week and weeks to follow? Well, I think we pull a win out in Starkville. Um, it, I'm going to go 38-31 Arkansas, um, and then I'm, I say we go six and one the rest of the season. Okay. Well, I'm going to I'm going to throw my prediction out there. You can take it for what it's worth. I'm going to say uh, we're going to do five and two the rest of the season because uh, um, I'm 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 a guy that plays it safe. Uh, I hope you're I right. Behind that. I hope you're right, but uh, I'm I'm guessing we're going to do about five and two. 
So uh, we'll see how that that's comes out. That's not bad either. That's not bad either. That's an yeah. eight and four record. You know, that's still a bowl game. So yeah. I'll, I'll take five and yeah. two. All right, sir. We got one minute left. Uh, we have been talking with uh, Razorback Zach of Inside the Hog Pen. Um, this is my my son, and uh, uh, we are related to Zachary Kerr. But uh, he knows everything sports, and and so I don't have to. So <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't do anything with insurance, and I don't I don't try to tell him I do sports. So anyway, uh, yep, that's about it. All right, well this is uh, this is about it for me. Um, I'm Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick on 101.1 FM. The answer. Uh, we'll have someone else in for him tomorrow. But until next time, uh, everyone have a great week and uh, stay safe out there. <laughs>